<laughs> What's up with all of these like male leads dancing up like or dressing up like Santa? I kind of love it. It's but great. We talked about how you. <laughs> I. <laughs> We did, yeah. I'm not on the sexy Santa train, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't mind the idea of somebody sexy dressing up as Santa. I'm just not going to find them sexy while they're dressed up as Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very fair. Thank you. <laughs> um... Two white girls talk Bollywood. I'm Kim. And I'm Katie. And we're here to talk about not so much singing. No. Some dancing, though. A lot of parties. There's a little, yeah, some dancing, yeah. <laughs> and Bollywood boys. At Christmas. <laughs> at, at Christmas. I, you know, I believed you when you said it was a Christmas film. Yeah. But I also forgot just how much of a Christmas film. It literally only happens at Christmas it does it's very Christmassy the whole yeah (laughs) I I do think some people would argue that it does not have much of the Christmas spirit uh as we traditionally think of it there's the one scene where they like that make the Christmas tree and stuff like how much Christmas spirit (laughs) do you really need in a movie to have it be a Christmas movie I mean this is this is an, an ongoing debate yeah. That is in true. all industries. How that have much Christmas. murder <laughs> removes the Christmas? <laughs> yeah, the the famous murder Christmas spirit <laughs> spectrum. Yeah, where does where does this fall on it? Probably closer to the murder side of things, but still close enough to Christmas, I think. <laughs> I I agree, and as you might have guessed, we're discussing Malong. Yes. Unleash the madness. Yes. <laughs> the madness has been unleashed. It really has, but deservedly so. I yeah, I agree. I wanted to ask you how much of the plot of this movie did you remember like before this rewatch of it? Cuz you'd only seen it once before, right? Right. I remembered the big thing. Yeah, the twist. Yes, I remembered the twist and I had a faint recollection that maybe who we think is a good guy isn't a good guy, yeah. but I couldn't remember why. Like, I couldn't right. remember the details <laughs> at all. And I was okay. like, I, I can't remember where we're heading, but I do know the twist. So it was kind of a weird place to be. Like, I yeah. I still gasped, and I was, like, shocked. <laughs> I was like, oh, which was fun. It was good. fun. Yeah. I also... <laughs> Aditya Roy Kapoor yeah. is in this film. Yes, and yes. I, I knew that he was super jacked in it, and I also knew that he was shirtless a lot. Mm-hmm. I forgot. He's literally without a shirt for, like, half the film. He really is, yeah. Well, and that my actual first plot note is just Aditya's body. Um, oh, we're going to talk about it. We are going to talk about it, but what I think is particularly fascinating about this movie is the fact that he has, like, two different physiques yeah. in it based on where you're at in the timeline. Like, mm-hmm. in the past, he's, like, shredded yeah, and super lean, and then in the present, he's, like, Got more massive. Mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, he looks he looks great. Uh, personally, my <laughs> preference is for the latter. Well, me <laughs> too. Detail. Yeah, that haircut's um, phenomenal. I love um, the haircut. Love the Peaky Blinders haircut. <laughs> yeah, the beard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's looking great in this movie. Yeah, my goal is to not objectify him too much, but you know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. I think that's a good goal, and we'll try our best to honor it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is definitely an intense film. It is. Yeah. Not just murder, but just violence in general, violence. like in a lot of different ways. A lot of dark content. Uh, a lot of drugs. A lot of, a lot of sad stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I also just like, I really love it. <laughs> really, I, I really yeah. love this movie. <laughs> I do too, because it is at its heart a love story. It is. And that's <laughs> that's always what gets me. And I also just, I, I love a movie that tells you the ending like from Mm -hmm. the start oh yeah and and then you can go back and watch it and be like this was all here for me and I didn't see it and now watching it again I see like the full picture of it but yeah I just when that's done well I it, it always gets me yeah so in addition to our boy Aditya Roy Kapoor we also have Anil Kapoor and Disha Patani Yeah, sorry, (laughs) I forgot. Anil Kapoor was amazing. Yeah, this was the first movie I saw Anil Kapoor in, and what an introduction to him. And then I think the second one was (laughs) Dilda Dakne Oh, so interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I love love him in this in particular. Yeah, he was outstanding. Um, But yes, and then as you said, it also starred Disha Patani. And then... Kunal Kemu. Yeah, I think he did a good job in this role, just being creepy mm-hmm. the whole time, but you're not really realizing that he's creepy until you know that he's creepy, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. Because, like, again, I kind of fell into this false sense of security, like I did the first time I watched it, where I was yeah. like, oh, I guess, yeah, Michael's like a good guy, kind of quiet, maybe a little weird, <laughs> but like a good guy. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, you are terrifying. Yeah, you're pure evil. And uh, Malang was also written and directed by Mohit Suri. Yeah. Well done, is all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, well, well written, well directed. It's a good story. I I think it it really carries you along through it. Yeah. Are you ready for the plot? I I was born ready for this plot. <laughs> I mean, were you? Was anybody? I don't know. <laughs> but okay, let's do it. So we open on a prison and we see a shirtless, muscular man doing pull-ups in his cell. We see this man lock eyes with a big bald guy who is like, oh crap. Who, and he literally, like, throws a bunch of dudes at our big mystery shirtless man. Mm-hmm. And the fighting commences. And our shirtless wonder goes and, like, fights, like, 20 guys. Yeah, but they least. come at him one at a time, so it's because really I, easy. <laughs> yes, and I said, because they come at him one at a time. So it's very easy, but it looks impressive. Very um, polite. And he makes He's his also, way... does he hmm. put a shirt back on? Yes. He... Okay, so he's he shirtless does. when he's doing pull-ups, and then he puts his shirt on, and then his shirt gets ripped off. <laughs> no, he takes his shirt off. It gets it, in later. You oh. see the front gets ripped off, and so then he rips. Oh, the he back just off. okay, right? Yes, before he emerges into the muddy prison yard <laughs> with the rain, 
We're just following Aditya's shoulders. <laughs> oh, because it's Aditya Roy Kapoor. <laughs> yeah. It's, I love, like, his shoulders are so broad. They're, like, disproportionately broad. Yeah, in a really appealing way. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but so, yeah, he starts fighting the big bald guy who punches him several times in the face, but he takes it. And he beats the crap out of this big bald guy. And then he takes a bracelet that had been kept in this guy's front pocket. And he looks at it very emotionally Mm -hmm. before he slides it on his wrist. And then he yells. And that's our our introduction to Advait. And that's the opening to this movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And now it's December 24th, 5.10 p.m. And there's a guy doing cocaine in a bathroom. Great. (laughs) (laughs) It's Anil Kapoor. And he is playing Agashe. And Agashe laments to his friend in an empty cafe that Goa isn't what it used to be ever since Dilchata Hay came out. And they came and took pictures of the fort. I really like that we just recently had Farron Oktar posting about yeah. like, like going back to the fort in Dilchata Hay. Right. And yeah, that was funny. I loved it. And I also love that like watching that movie the first time, I was like, I don't know that reference. Yeah, no. But now we do. But I do now. Dilchata Hay. <laughs> Still get that stuck in my head sometimes. But then in this conversation, we find out that uh, we find out that Agashe's friend, Tony murdered a guy and they have a good laugh about it but then agashi shoots tony because he's a cop (laughs) agashi then gets a phone call from advait but he doesn't know who it is Mm -hmm. who is calling to report a murder that he's about to commit Mm -hmm. we then switch scenes and see a family gathered around a dinner table including a woman who looks very nervous and uncomfortable yeah um so she excuses herself to the kitchen to check her phone and then we see her husband michael also come into the kitchen and he sees some text messages between her and who we can assume is her lover Mm -hmm. and as he goes to talk to her Police show up and ask him for his help on a case because Michael is a police officer too. It is now 7.02 p.m. on Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve and Michael rolls up to a crime scene where a police officer friend of his has been murdered. All the cops are talking about like what's the motive and how did they do it when Agashe dramatically announces it was one man and he goes on to say the murder must have been personal because it was gruesome. Mm -hmm. And... Agashi basically signs himself on to this investigation, even though it's not his jurisdiction. Um, And Michael protests, saying that he knows how Agashi works and he wants a clean investigation with this. Um, Because as we will learn, like, Agashi kind of just shoots people and... And asks questions later. (laughs) If he asks them at all. (laughs) If he asks them at all. He's really... He's gone rogue. Um, Yeah. And Agashi warns Michael that this murderer is not a normal murderer. He's a monster. Yeah. And then we see a little mini flashback where we see Advait beat up the victim, inject him with something in the neck, and then hang him out the window. Yeah. He then unties a knot from the bracelet on his wrist. But then we get a flashback five years earlier. Mm -hmm. We see a girl walking with that bracelet 
mm-hmm. on her wrist. Yes. And we also see Advate with a lot more hair, a lot less beard, and a lot less stress <laughs> getting on a bus. <laughs> Some actual joy in his eyes, yes. Yes. He's like, I'm getting on a bus. I'm going to Goa. Um, <laughs> Leaving so I said, the world yeah. behind. <laughs> yeah. Both these beautiful people are heading to Goa. And Advait goes to a dance party, and he's vibing, and he's smoking, and he's having a great time when he bumps into this pretty lady. Mm -hmm. But then the police arrive and break up the party. Yeah. And it would have been a missed connection, except that Advait hops over a fence to get away, and then she follows him, and he pulls her up and over, and they escape on his motorcycle. Yeah. This had some major Aladdin vibes. It Sure, yeah, except that it's her. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> she um, was like, you're taking me with you. And he was yeah. like, I mean, you're pretty, so okay. Aladdin, if Jasmine <laughs> took the initiative to, yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it was funny that she just kind of like walks up behind him and puts her hand out. She doesn't like say anything or like touch him yeah. or anything. Like, what if he hadn't turned around <laughs> she would have just he's been standing like there with her hand out <laughs> but he did because it was fate. he could feel it he could sense her presence yeah and so they go in search of another party which they do find and at this party a woman a white woman with dreads named jesse mm-hmm. gives them drugs for being an attractive couple <laughs> I wrote down that Jessie, she's like a witch. Like, the way that she, like, gestures Sarah over is just, like, I don't know. She just, she's like a witch. You know. (laughs) In a good way. In a good way. Usually, I'm in Salem. We think of witches as good all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Except for, you know, that one, that one super big that time in history. That one period where a lot of people didn't think witches were such a good thing. But now, now you've And they weren't. And they weren't even witches. I also have to disclaimer. They weren't witches. (laughs) Um, But yes. But no, I I like that take because in a Christmas movie, there's always someone who like has Christmas magic. You're so right. Jesse is the Christmas magic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think we should write up a report on why <laughs> Malong is the perfect Christmas movie. Yeah, exactly. How it has all of the Christmas, all of the traditional Christmas movie elements. <laughs> yeah. There's a bad um, breakup. It's all there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this beautiful couple does drugs together and they party for a while and they have sex. And then the next morning, Advait wakes up to see this girl, this mystery girl, fiddling with the bracelet on her wrist. And she explains that each knot on the bracelet is a fear she wants to overcome. And she tells him all the things she wants to do in her life. And he's like, that's so cool. I want to travel to all these different places and meet a bunch of different people. And she's like, cool. Enjoy your trip. (laughs) And then she's like, bye. (laughs) And she goes to walk away. And he tries to give her his number. And she says, I don't have a phone. Yep. As she walks away, he yells out his name, Advait, and she says, Sarah. I do think it's interesting the way that she she's, like, trying to overcome her fears as opposed mm-hmm. to, like, just have a bunch of cool experiences. Because some yeah. of the things that she fears are really silly. Like, apparently, like, she wants to eat a bunch of food, like, all the food yeah. she can in one day. So I'm like, is eating... A fear? a fear of yours in which case you should probably like unpack that a little bit further yeah. but also like 
like having unprotected sex with a stranger is like maybe a good fear to not try to overcome (laughs) (laughs) right yeah and I don't maybe I shouldn't assume it was unprotected but I don't know they were super high (laughs) I guess that's true I assumed it was protected I, I mean, at some, point, later, at some they, point, it's, they, at some point, it's not. Some so point, Things go awry. Maybe, I mean, things go wrong even <laughs> when you try your best, but, like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't know, because it's a bit of a, a self-preserving instinct to be like, I don't know if I want to be naked with this strange person. Right. I don't know. Or, like, do a bunch of drugs given to me by, <laughs> also by strangers at a party yeah. in a place that I've never been to before. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that a strange so man brought me to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she's living life. Mm-hmm. Um, From one high to another. Mm-hmm. So we're back to the present. It's Christmas Eve, 7.34 p.m. Mm-hmm. And we see Advait get handed Flaka, which is an injectable drug, by Jessie, the woman with the dreads. And then we go to the police station, where the cops have tracked down the drug dealer who sells the Flaka. And Agashe does some really sketchy stuff like turning off the camera in the mm-hmm. interrogation room and using his gun to torture the drug dealer Yeah. until the dealer tells them that he received a call from a white woman with dreads, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Michael then gets the tip that someone with a red hoodie was spotted at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. And the police are also trying to track Advait through his phone Advate calls Agashe again, and they have another cryptic conversation um, where Advate tells him that he wants another police officer. And the police track him to a carnival, but there's a whole group of people with red hoodies. And in the midst of the cops looking for one specific guy, they don't even know who they're looking for, Advate grabs one of the cops um, and takes him somewhere private where he beats him up. I also wrote in this moment, like, I love... Bollywood because Advait straight up punches through a pillar. He does. Like a superhero. Yeah. But he's just a normal guy. Yeah. He's it fine. doesn't bother him <laughs> at all. Totally fine. And I was like, yes, Bollywood. Mm-hmm. Doing yeah. it right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we see Advait inject the cop with the drug and then he tosses him out the window right as Agashe is passing. Yeah. And then Agashe sees. Advait's face, or at least the top half of his face. Mm-hmm. But Advait runs away and hides in a group of dancing Santas. Yes, he does. Very <laughs> Christmassy. <laughs> Very Christmassy. Dancing Santas. Also, like, that's the same reason that Minal Murley is, uh, is a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Yeah, Dancing mm-hmm. Santa. <laughs> dancing Santa. <laughs> Advait then has a flashback as he's walking away through the Santas. Remembering a time in the past when he randomly encountered Sarah again. Mm-hmm. And at that time, he suggested that he help her conquer the fears on her bracelet. And then in this flashback, we get a montage of them doing all sorts of fun things, mostly like extreme sports and stuff. Yeah, I always get upset whenever, because this happens in Bayfic Ray too, where someone like grabs someone else and jumps off of a cliff with them. Yeah. Like, that's a great way to get yourself and that person killed (laughs) right you really need to leap with purpose yeah and yeah everyone should be ready and I also just I I made a note in this moment because 
she says something like, you can't be afraid of the same thing twice. And then they go yeah. and jump off the cliff again. And I was like, yeah, you can. And you can also add new fears. Like now I'm afraid of heights and I'm afraid of women pushing me off of cliffs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I was like, I feel like that was one of those things that should have been more deep than it was. Like yeah. she says it and you're like, whoa. And then you're like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of meaningless. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, both of them look absolutely gorgeous throughout they this do. whole montage. I also just thought her white and pink one piece. Yep. Oh my god, it's so cute. I made note it's of so that cute. bathing suit too. It's so cute. Yeah, I oh, love that. Yeah. And uh, the montage ends with them at a party, doing drugs, yep. and then Jesse owed uh, I was going to say ODs, but uh, overdoses. Yeah. And they do get Jessie to the hospital in time, and she's okay. But when they go to visit her, she tells them that she grew addicted to this lifestyle in Goa, and it ended up taking everything that she had. Mm-hmm. And this really hits Sarah, and later she tells Advait that they're living for fun, but not for peace. And Advait asks her what peace is for her, and she tells him, decorating the Christmas tree with her parents. And Advait then takes her to a fancy house, which they break into. They do. And they dress up, and he puts together a ladder with a bunch of lights to give her a Christmas tree. And she kisses him, because I don't know how you wouldn't (laughs) after that. (laughs) He's so cute. Like, he puts on the coat, but, like, he still has his little shorts. (laughs) It's very adorable. It's really sweet. And, like, it's, oh, gosh, young love. Uh, and back to the present, it's now 8.28 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and the cops are still trying to figure out the connection between the murder victims. Mm-hmm. And they do find Advait's jail record because they're able to identify him. And we find out that the reason he was in prison was for dealing drugs, and they also discover Jesse's identity. Then we also see that there are a bunch of reporters snapping photos of this crime scene, mm-hmm. and Michael snaps and goes over and in a rage beats up a reporter. Well, and I like how they, the moments early on where you're starting to see these things, it's like they you can almost ju- justify it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this was his friend. And, and like the victim you know, had stressed. a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the family is like they're crying over their yeah. like, dead husband slash father. So like. Right. Yeah. But I, it's just good. It's well done. It is good. Yeah. I agree. And then the cops learn that the person they suspect to be Ed Bates' next victim always goes to the big soccer match on Christmas Eve. Yay! And sure enough, we see Advait at the stadium stalking this guy. Mm-hmm. But this guy was ready. He's got yeah. a whole posse. <laughs> like 15 dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and as they're all staring each other down, the lights go off, and the goons start shooting, and Advait starts fighting. Yeah. And he takes out all of them, doesn't get shot, in this very small hallway with 15 guns pointed at him. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) Of course not. Um, And he follows his target up to the roof of the stadium. He beats the guy up and then throws him over the edge to land on a police car below. Mm -hmm. And then Advait runs, but the police are after him, and they're shooting. But he's totally okay because, of course, the cops are all really bad shots. Always, always. And... Advait is also helped out because he can leap from one building to another like yeah. a superhero. That is, Yeah, that's his other superpower. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, 
Michael was not at the stadium. He was just like driving in his car to get to the stadium. And he just so happens to pass Jessie on her motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And he follows her to a little house in the middle of the woods. We then also see shots of Agashe doing drugs in his car. And then Advait ditching his hoodie as he heads to the garage behind, like, or underneath the stadium. And Agashe tries to run him over or tries to run Advait over (laughs) in his car, but Advait is able to run over the top of the car. Again, kind of like a fascinating choice. You could have just gotten out of the way. (laughs) You know what? He could have. But then we go back to Jessie because she has lit this entire string board, which was their plan. (laughs) String board TM. (laughs) String board TM TM. Um, She's lit it on fire because she's like, we've been found out. I'm burning the evidence. But Michael breaks in and he is able to see bits and pieces of the board before it fully goes up in flames. And he sees a picture of himself. Back at the garage, Agashe is beating up Advait and then he pulls a gun on him. But then, at that moment, the game finishes and the audience floods into the garage. So he can't shoot him with an audience. I really like how casually all of the people just like walk between this man <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, whatever. Man. They're just like, I want to get home. We I don't see care. This. It's late. We see this all the time. It's Christmas Eve. It's fine. <laughs> it is Christmas Eve. Somehow I, I, well, it only makes sense that I forget it's Christmas Eve because I just celebrated Hanukkah. But <laughs> like literally just minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I we took a break and now I'm like oh my god it was Christmas Eve, um, but Advait kneels in front of him, folds his massive arms so big. behind his head, <laughs> so large, so big, so nice to look at. Also his hands, he's got great hands. <laughs> yeah, ah, we're doing a great job, I think, of not talking too much about how handsome this man yeah, is. Yeah, there's, there's a level where it's impossible not to, so yeah, yes. we're doing the bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Advait then says, the night won't be over so soon. There's still a lot to happen. Mm-hmm. It's now 10.47pm on Christmas Eve, and as Agashe transports Advait to the police station, he says he can't recall where, but he's seen Advait before. Yes. And then we get another memory of Advait's where, it, and it's kind of a memory, kind of a flashback. Eh, we don't know. But we see Sarah sitting in a bathroom. Advait's not there. And she is looking at a positive pregnancy test. And then after finding this out, Sarah goes to a party with Advait. And there she overhears a girl speaking on the phone to her father. And this girl is actually Agashe's daughter, mm-hmm. and she's speaking to Agashe. Yes, she is. And we also see that Agashe was a very different man in the past. Yes. And he was very by the books. He loved his daughter. He, like, followed the rules and procedures, was a very up-and-up cop. Yeah. And at this party, Sarah tells Advait that she's pregnant, and he's just kind of, like, shocked. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, relax, we'll take care of it. And as they go to leave the party, 
Agashe arrives to arrest a criminal. And Sarah gets taken hostage by this guy who's trying to evade arrest. And the criminal and Agashe are pointing guns at each other. Advait's there and he's begging them not to shoot. Also, at this point in the movie, you're like waiting for her to die. Yeah. Because Advait is avenging someone. He's got her bracelet. Like, this is... You're also waiting for Agashe to have something to do with it. So like... Well, yes, that's also true. So it's like they're setting you up perfect. Mm-hmm. The guys shoot their guns and Agashi takes down the criminal. Advait goes to Sarah. Luckily, she's unharmed. But then we see that Agashi's daughter was killed by a stray bullet. Yeah. And Sarah witnesses this all and it hits her really hard. Agashi is obviously grieving but yeah, so then the next day, Sarah tells Advait that she's only just realized that the reason her parents didn't live for fun was so that she could, because she was like ragging on her parents before. And then she tells him that she can't get an abortion. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, she wakes up and Advait is gone. Yeah, he is. What a stellar guy. <laughs> what a stand up guy. <laughs> Get ten out of ten, Advait. Pieces. <laughs> like he felt bad about it, but come on. Yeah, I think it's really funny that he leaves his like GoPro behind. Yeah, with all the footage of them, like intentionally to be like, remember how much fun we had that I just <laughs> left you? Wasn't that great? <laughs> with my baby, <laughs> pregnant with my child. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye. <laughs> At least I didn't leave you alone. (laughs) Oh, my God. And, like, it is awful. And Sarah also is a pretty, like, chill, independent spirit. Like, I also think if he was like, I don't want to raise this child, she probably would have just been like, go away then. I'll figure it out. Yeah, there could have been a conversation about it. Yeah. And yet he's super handsome. So we kind of still root for him. (laughs) It's complicated. (laughs) Um. But so we then get another montage of Advait on a train and Agashe cremating his daughter. Mm-hmm. And we see Advait meet a blonde girl. Um, yeah. We could be that white girl. We could be that white lady, yeah. We I, could be his rebound from the love of his life that he impregnated and then abandoned. It would be my absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that role any day. <laughs> Sign me up. (laughs) Okay, that's very funny. Um, So Agashe, we see him making this transition to being completely different, where he's beating people up and shooting them and doing drugs, and he's just super violent and unpredictable. And after traveling around for a while, Advait then returns to his home and meets up with his best friend, who accuses him of running away from every relationship because he's worried it'll end in separation and heartbreak like it did for his parents. Mm-hmm. And Advait missed his friend's wedding, so he's like, hey, well, what's married life like? And his friend says it's hard work, and he kind of complains about his wife, but then he says that she makes his house a home, mm-hmm. and he loves her, and he could never leave her. I really like that little monologue. I do it's, too. it's really sweet. <laughs> and like you can also see it dawn on Advait, like, oh, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be like what my fears are. Right. 
maybe it could be something different. Sometimes it is and, good to overcome our fears. Yeah. And Ed Vate goes back to his friend's house with him and sees his friend and the friend's wife embrace. And then he's like, I gotta go. I'm leaving. <laughs> and when his friend asks where he's going, he's like, I'm going home. Ah. because Sarah's his home. Yeah, um, and his unborn And this child. was very sweet. And you're just like, oh, you're just a dumb young man. Yeah. Like, you're just, you just needed time to think about it. Yeah. And now you're you on the right You needed someone, someone close to you, someone who knows you to knock some sense into you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Adbate does make it back to Goa, and he's running from place to place looking for Sarah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Agashe is re-watching a video that his daughter sent him shortly before her death, and he does see Sarah sitting in the background. Yeah. But Advait then goes to Jesse's to see Sarah, because he overheard that Sarah was staying with her, and he's knocking on the door, there's no response, and then he's about to leave when he hears a crash mm-hmm. from inside the apartment. And now we're back to the present, and it's 11.10 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and the cops get Advate to the police station, but they don't have any evidence against him because it's all, like, inconclusive. And Agashe's like, it's not a problem, we'll just shoot him and call it an encounter. Yeah, casual. Great. He's like, I've done this so many times before. (laughs) Like, no one has questioned it. It's cool. And Michael refuses to let that happen, and he's like, nope, we're going to get a confession out of Advait. And Agashi's not happy about that, so he goes to the bathroom and rages. I also just, I hope it's clear that, like, we laugh at this because of the, like, I, when oh. this actually happens, it's not funny. Like, pre- no, it's very serious. It's not a funny thing, but, like, no. D- just the over-the-top and ridiculousness of it in this movie and in other movies all you can really do is is just laugh at it yeah well and i guess it is it is a ton-in-cheek laughter exactly i mean we've been to a yeah we've protested police brutality yeah (laughs) in our country um i think we both feel pretty anti-police brutality yeah um so just, um, but thank just, you. just to make that thank clear, you. I like I laughed and then I was like, maybe I should say something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the like the ease with which, you know, yeah. It's like Yeah. Oh, no one's gonna investigate this. Right. It's like it's totally fine. fine. Yeah. Um, especially when you're killing it it's it's interesting because in the States it's definitely like as long as you're killing people of color, no one's gonna mm-hmm. really investigate it or anything. And in this movie, it's like, as long as you're killing people who are, like, dealing and doing drugs, right. you know? Like, yeah. whatever it is that a certain society deems less than, yeah. it's, you then can get away with murder. People are to react to it. Yeah. yeah. Just gonna let it happen. Um, anyway. <laughs> yes. So while Agashe is raging in the bathroom, Michael goes into the interrogation room to ask Advait why. And Advait responds, Why? And we see Michael working out at the gym. This is a flashback. Yes. He's at the gym. His friends are talking about sex in the background. And they're talking about a lot of, like, really problematic, toxic, masculine things. Like, how you need to have practiced sex so that when you get married, you can satisfy your wife properly Mm -hmm. because you don't want to, like, embarrass yourself because if you do... That your wife's going to tell everyone you're not a man. Right. But so Michael's kind of overhearing this. And one of the friends mentions a woman named Jessie. Mm-hmm. Who does have sex for money. 
And this friend was like telling their virgin friend, you, you got to go visit her because you can't be a virgin heading into your wedding night. That night, Michael meets up with his fiance, Teresa, who is his wife that we saw earlier in the film. And she kisses him and goes to touch him below the belt, only for him to stop her and say that he believes in waiting until after marriage. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I totally get that, like, and respect it, okay, but we're getting married in a week, and after that, no more excuses. Which is a weird thing for her to say. (laughs) It is a weird thing for her to say, especially if, like, you're finding your partner's, like, nervous about that. Right, and because she also, like, implies that this is her first time, like, not just having sex, but also in, like, trying to initiate something with him. It's not like this has been, like, a common theme. yeah. And she was right to have her concerns, but uh, right, I don't know but that they she were didn't really have point. the evidence. Yes, I I agree with that. After they're done hanging out, Michael thinks about what his friends said, and he decides to visit Jesse so that he can lose his virginity. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jesse and Sarah are having a really sweet friend heart to heart, and Jesse's like, "We're gonna make this a great Christmas," and she so sad. It's- <laughs> It's, it's really, like the worst Christmas. It's the um, worst Christmas I can possibly imagine, yeah. But they don't know that yet. And Jesse go leaves the apartment to go get some food. And um, Michael just walks in like, and sits there. Talk about, does not announce his presence. Talk about fears to, like, turn yeah. around and there's just a strange man with his hood up, like, yeah. you know, face covered, like, sitting in your apartment. Like... I That's fear. felt of yeah, I felt a very primal fear. Like yeah. sitting very safely in my apartment watching this. I was just like that's got violence written all over it. Yep. I on a very primal level am am very uncomfortable absolutely, with it. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so he just puts some money on the table mm-hmm. and she's like, "Okay, I think you've gotten me confused with someone else." And he's like, "Oh, stop making excuses. I know how girls like you are, which is also just, ew, and very problematic. Like Even people who are sex workers get to not have sex sometimes. Yes, yeah. Whenever they don't want to, that's the time. Whenever they don't want to, literally. Like, in places where it's regulated, that is a rule. Mm -hmm. Because they're not just there for you to use. Right. They are humans. Yeah. (sighs) Just like every job, (laughs) there are times where you get to choose not to do it. Yeah, like, come on. And if you're being a real creepy weirdo... You get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she, Sarah tells Michael to leave. Um, and then as he is at the door, Sarah says, they don't know how to respect women, but they call themselves men. Mm. And I was like, no. It Which, is certainly, it is not her fault. No, it is absolutely not her fault. And what she says is true. And then it leads to this. Yeah. And I'm like, it. Oh, it's not your fault, but I wish you hadn't said that. I know. Saved it to say. He would have left. After he was gone. Yeah. That comment triggers some major emasculation insecurities Mm -hmm. within Michael. And he locks the door and then attacks Sarah. And he's like beating her and pressing her down into the bed. Yeah. And then uh, Michael says that Sarah will tell everyone he's not a man. So he has to kill her. Mm-hmm. He's really like, he needs to see a therapist. He's going through yeah. some stuff. Um, and so he starts to choke her. And this is when Advait knocks on the door. Yeah. And then Sarah knocks over a lamp. And that is the crash that Advait heard. 
Advait breaks through the door and starts fighting Michael, but Michael beats him, like, pretty easily. Yeah. And he is about to cut Advait's throat, and then Sarah smashes a bottle over Michael's head, knocking him out. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah. And Sarah and Vate do what a lot of people would do, and they call the police. Yep. And the police obviously recognize Michael. And the police are like, okay, we're going to take both of you into the station so we can get your statements and file the complaint. And in the car on the way there, Advait apologizes to Sarah for abandoning her. And he says he'll never leave her again. And it is a very heartfelt apology it like is. you could it's, tell it's and it's a sweet moment between the two of them and and yeah. like for all we know he was only gone you know like three weeks it doesn't we don't, seem like, like i feel like it yeah. was even less than it that. was like, like a, it was, a few days it really brief yeah <laughs> yeah and she's like you'll never leave us mm-hmm. and it's really sweet cause she got her baby and she forgives him and they hug and then the car stops because god forbid we let these people I be know, happy they are let out on a bridge, and the cops start beating up Advate for wanting to make a complaint. And then Michael arrives on the scene. Yeah. And Michael's friends who are standing there suggest that they inject Sarah with drugs so that no one will believe her statement. Because no one believes a drug user. Right, yeah. Who's also a person too, right. mind you. Yeah. They're people. They're per- Bad they're stuff very happens. They're capable of witnessing crimes yep. and having crimes committed against them. Yep. <sighs> God. Oh, okay. Um, and Michael does inject her with these drugs, and they say something like it's a heavy dose, um, and everyone's like, this is probably going to kill her. And Sarah's looking him in the eyes and is like, please don't. I'm pregnant. Like, don't. And he does it anyway. Um, I think he does it because. Oh, you think? I feel like he, you know, he's going to inject her, but I think he decides to kill her. Oh. Because she says she's pregnant. Oh, okay. Because she's had sex with Advait. And so, oh, like, this, that's, that's like, oh, that's like the. That's a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then another, yeah. No, I see that. Yeah. Oh. Ugh. Great. And the cops leave Sarah laying there on the bridge, and Advait is able to make it to her and hold her for a moment, mm-hmm. but then the cops drag him away. And then he's forced to watch as they throw Sarah over the bridge railing into the water below. And then they inject Advait with some drugs. Mm -hmm. And so we see Michael getting married as Advait is beaten into signing a confession and then thrown into prison for five years. And on Michael's wedding night, his wife tries to touch him and he moves away. Mm -hmm. So. So we got We got a lot more of the pieces here now yes yes we did but not all of them (laughs) not all of them not all of them back in the present michael tells advait that as a child he was beaten by his mother and it scared him so much that he's unable to get an erection is basically his father beat his mother and then his mother told him don't be don't be like your father like don't be a man yeah michael like doesn't have sexual desire because he's so repressed from these early childhood memories but he feels like he's not a man and now that's a problem for him Mm -hmm. so he has found that he does get sexual pleasure from murder and violence yeah he's messed up (laughs) he's got issues (laughs) um 
Michael also tells Advait that he had to kill Sarah so that she wouldn't tell anyone about his like truth mm-hmm. because she could see it because then that would ruin his image. Right. That was what he was most worried about because also in the beginning of the movie, you know, everyone's just like, Michael's so great. He's so perfect. He's so nice. Yeah. He's so handsome. He's yeah. terrible. He's really garbage garbage person uh michael then reveals that he now does know what sex feels like because he murdered jesse i just wrote michael's repulsive he is repulsive yeah um michael then tells advait that he should confess and he goads him into attacking him so michael then goes to agashe and is like you know what you're right like that guy just attacked me we should just take care of it Mm -hmm. ourselves and Agashe is like, great, send all the police home and I'll take care of Advait. You just go home because I don't want you to turn into another Agashe. Mm-hmm. Which is actually a really sweet, like having now seen the backstory of Agashe, yeah. you're not forgiving his his actions, but like he's not at heart a bad there's, person. There's goodness in there somewhere still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know how you come back from all the stuff you've no. done. Also, um, talking about yourself in the third person as much as he does, you don't come back from that either. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely um, some points detracted. <laughs> um, but then Michael says, happy solstice mm-hmm. as he leaves. And it all clicks for Agashe, because I did not mention this, but in all of the phone calls when Advait was calling Agashe, he would say, happy solstice. Yes. And now it's 11.29 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Agashe is re-watching the video from his daughter, and he remembers the incident that night, including Advait. So he finally places Advait as being there. Yeah. And meanwhile, Michael goes home and his wife is there and she says that she wants a divorce. She's got her bags packed. She's ready to leave. And Michael then reveals that he knows everything about her affair, including the name of her lover and how long it's been going on. Back in the van with Agashe, because he's transporting Advait to the place where he's going to kill him, Agashe asks Advait why he keeps saying happy solstice. Mm -hmm. And Advait kind of smiles and he's like finally the right question which made me think of Gubra slash Tommy. yeah it, yeah and it's like i'm just such a brilliant criminal mastermind i'm just waiting for you all to catch up and it's like well what if they did it what if, they did? Yeah. What if he just shot you <laughs> uh and then we go back to michael's house yep. where we see michael lock the door mm-hmm and then he does literally the most terrifying thing yeah. imaginable and he starts acting out a fake interaction with his wife's lover. It's so disturbing. And then he smashes a bottle on his head and beats himself and his wife up all while he's narrating like, no, but my, you know, we love each other. Why are you hurting us? Oh, no. Yeah. You're killing her. Oh, don't do that. And then he pushes her into the... Yeah. It's so so much more disturbing than him, like, saying, this is what I'm going to tell people happened. To just, like, oh, it's it's very creepy. Ugh, terrifying. Yeah, he essentially tells his wife he's going to kill her. Mm -hmm. Back with Agashe, he has driven Advait to the bridge where everything happened. Mm -hmm. And Advait asks if Agashe is the only one allowed to get revenge for the death of a loved one. And Agashe says, okay, who took your family from you? 
And Advait gives him the names of Michael and the three other cops that he killed. Mm -hmm. And he then reveals that he came willingly to the police station just so the case would be solved and Michael would go home Mm -hmm. so he could get his revenge. Yep. Like, I get goose. I I know. I knew. But it's so (laughs) well done. such a good reveal. And then back to Michael, where we see him get injected in the neck by someone in a red hoodie. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Sarah. What? We then get a flashback where we see that Jesse had seen Sarah and Advait get loaded into the police van and she followed them to the bridge. So she was able to save Sarah after she was thrown into the water, but Sarah did lose her baby. So that is the family that's been lost. And Jesse then gave Sarah's bracelet to Advait in prison as kind of a, she's alive, like, she's out there, just make it through, buddy. Which, just real quick, this was the first time that I noticed that she's, like, maybe this is obvious, like, when you get to the end, but you can see that she's wearing the bracelet when they throw her off the bridge. So if you were, like, an eagle-eyed viewer and you noticed that, that gives it also the dainty hands, but we'll talk. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are not his. Not Aditya's hands. Very strong, masculine <laughs> hands. He's got great hands. If you've looked at Aditya Roy Kapoor's hands as much as we have. You, you'd you notice know. right away. Yeah. <laughs> Those aren't his hands. Um, while Advait was training up in prison, he was fighting people to get better he mm-hmm. was putting on muscle so that he could you know manhandle all these dudes sarah was planning their revenge yep. and then when Advait got out they put their plan into motion yeah and in a way it's really sweet and romantic it kind like, of is yeah <laughs> they're just avenging the death of their baby together and like he's like i'm gonna beat them into submission you deal the killing blow like yeah. let's both act like played to our strengths yeah well and also the fact that she's the mastermind behind it all yeah. and he's just the muscle like the muscle <laughs> it's so good i mean yeah don't agree with murder nope. but these guys were bad for doing this right yeah and it's so well done it is really well done yeah always love when you find yourself rooting for a murderer because <laughs> then you're like you've done some fun stuff yeah here with you've, like characterization yeah, yeah. and yeah. emotion you gotta you gotta yeah commend the writers and the director for that mm-hmm. But anyway, Agashi then receives a call that Michael has been killed at his home. Yep. And Advait says, the night is over now. God, that's got to feel good. It's only been like five years. Yeah, five <laughs> years in prison and in like, what, seven hours? Yeah, all you've dead. just done it. <laughs> Great. Mission accomplished. Um, and just as the clock strikes midnight, Agashi fires his gun. Mm-hmm unclear why he fires his gun they never go back to that it's fine i have thoughts (laughs) oh okay great um early the next morning michael's wife says that she didn't see the killer and agashi says that without witnesses and without evidence these murders will go unsolved yeah case closed Mm -hmm. um and we see advait and sarah holding each other and advait unties the final knot from sarah's bracelet yeah and I guess that, yeah, he probably fired his guns so that he could say, oh, he escaped. I also or... think you could, I do think that's that's a good theory. I also think you could make an argument that Advait is dead 
that he kills him. Oh, and it's a dream. I also feel like they were setting up for a, for a sequel at the end, which I kind of hope they don't do, but I don't think they... I don't think they actually killed him, but I think you could choose to read it that way if you wanted to. Yeah. Would Agashi, like, oh. really let him go because he did kill four cops? Like, or, well... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I don't... This... I, I don't actually think he's dead, but... Well, I think then it would make the setup for the sequel make sense. <laughs> right. And also, I feel like if they did ever make a sequel, that Advait would show up. They would, like... That's true. Recycle the same twist. <laughs> That's true. But then we get one final scene, which is the potential setup to the sequel, where Agashi is hanging out at the karaoke bar, forcing a guy to sing at gunpoint. And then Agashi receives a call, and a woman on the other end says, I'm calling to report a murder I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then we get our only dance number of the entire film, which is Malong, the title track. Yeah. Which is a solid, you know, end credit yeah, song. Yeah, it's fine. I feel like maybe Advait is dead and that's what she means, but then it's like, yeah. okay, so then are they setting up for, like, Sarah's gonna try to find and kill Agashi? Because, like, that's... Because, like, I don't want to watch that's that. That's not interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. But it also would explain why Advait's not in the final dance number. Right. Yeah. But also, like... Maybe they just didn't have a DT in the final dance number because I don't think he can dance. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't think he's there because of dancing purposes. I do also, because I think that if they had actually killed him, that they would have, like, dwelled on that, you know? Like, they wouldn't just do, mm. like, they wouldn't leave that in suspense if they were, like, actually killing him. I feel that way about Michael, too. Like, I wonder if Michael's actually Yeah, because we dead. didn't see, look... We've watched way too much Bollywood <laughs> to believe that people are dead unless you've seen their bodies. Right. And even then, <laughs> they might still be alive. <laughs> Good times. I loved it. Like, yeah. it is so dark, but what brings them together? And I mean, they were good teammates before, but it was really in avenging their baby that they really were true partners yeah. to each other. Yeah. And like, that's so tragic and sad, but also very romantic i don't know like no i i agree with all of that i it's again it's not like we (laughs) wish people that that we don't think that this is necessarily a good choice for couples no No. (laughs) want to grow closer (laughs) together but i I do think it's a good story and Mm -hmm. when a movie has a good twist and an Mm. ending that i feel like i can root for (laughs) yeah i'm going to enjoy it like right again and again yeah well and I was just thinking too because I do feel like you're not averse to dark things but I do think that's not always your like preferred rewatching. as long material. as there's a love story and that yeah. and it ends happily then yeah I am into that kind of thing like that's what it is I don't like dark things that end that are just darkly. dark yeah <laughs> that's fair <laughs> Yeah. Which is why I choose to believe that Advait is not dead. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that take on it. No, it was great. I definitely plan to rewatch it. Yeah. Every Christmas. A lot. Oh, every Christmas. <laughs> In between a Christmas prince for Christmas. <laughs> and a royal Christmas prince. That's probably... Get them all in there and then them along. <laughs> Just all the all the Christmas movies. 
I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I always, like, get a little nervous with some of the movies that, like, I've seen more than you, and I'm like, what if Katie hates this? <laughs> I mean, but we knew I wouldn't. Yeah. Like, I also love a twist. You, yes, and you love you love a dark, gritty I crime <laughs> drama. I really do. Honestly, I think that's why I'm like, oh my god, he is dead. Like, I'm leaning <laughs> like, into that. I want him to be dead. That's okay. It's like Inception. You can make an argument either way. Oh. We well, don't need to do go you... down that path. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that light behind your eyes. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, so for my... My research slash, I'd like to kind of open the floor for conversation a little bit here. So I thought about a bunch of different things, and honestly, some of them I'm like, I would love to, we should actually go back to this. Like, the outlook on drug Mm. use in India is, like, fascinating to me, and so I was thinking about looking at that. But what I ended up settling on, because a bunch of different things that I was thinking about related to it, was just wanting to talk about toxic masculinity. Yeah. And its role in this movie, you know, it's pretty much the main driving force of the villain in this movie. I mean, I have, yeah, I, that has been the like, the biggest theme, I think, from this film mm-hmm. that I have been yeah. pondering since watching it. Yeah. Like, yeah, me too. Um, even beyond police brutality, which is just kind of a cold hard fact right. that is happening. And so is toxic masculinity, but it shows up in so many different ways. Right. So yeah, I'm intrigued yeah. and ready to engage. Excellent. Well, so a lot of what we've talked about has its roots in toxic masculinity and in like rigid gender ni- dynamics. I mean, even police mm-hmm. brutality in a way, I think you can... You can yeah. dial that back to, you know, to having its roots in, in things related to that mm-hmm. power dynamics and things. But in particular, I'm thinking about our past conversations on dowry and mm-hmm. your research into the legal age of marriage in India and how it's younger for women than it is for men. Yeah. And more recently, our conversations coming out of watching Satya Prem Kikata. And I wanted to start us off with a quote from a study by I. Shiva Kumar and K. Mani Makale, which was entitled Masculinity and Challenges for Women in Indian Culture. Quote, the appearance of patriarchal masculinity characterized by male sexual dominance and unequal gender roles coupled with a lack of sexual experience and knowledge leads some men to seek to assert their manhood through sexual prowess. This has a real harmful impact upon women in society as the manner they choose to engage with their sexuality arises through channels of coercive sexual behavior and sexual control. What is interesting to explore is that these actions seem to display masculinity to other men above all else. Mm -hmm. End quote. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like that really kind of summed up everything that's happening here with Michael Rodriguez. Yeah, he's not actually worried about his wife thinking he's not a man. Yeah. He's worried about that getting back to his male friends. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. There's no indication at any point that he has any sort of conversation with his wife about where his right. lack of sexual desire comes from. He just doesn't yeah. even care what she thinks about it, but he does fear that that it would get out to the people whose opinions he actually respects. Well, and it's just so heartbreaking, too, because... I feel like that is something that is prevalent in 
a lot of cultures around the world Mm -hmm. and it's not even based in reality I mean it has become real like that has become the real experience that people are having that this is the expectation that men have and that if men have limited sexual experience they're losers Mm -hmm. it's interesting though too Another article that I read, super interesting article about the Me Too movement in both mm. India and the U.S., which I'll talk about some of the like main themes of that article potentially later. But um, the article by Venita Reddy and Chaitanya Lakhimseti. So what we see in this movie is this this idea that a man needs to have had some kind of sexual experience before he can... Right. be in a relationship with the woman he's going to be in a relationship with for the rest of his life. We also understand that two of the adult men in that interaction of four men are virgins. And we've also mm-hmm. seen plenty of examples of men going into their marriages as virgins. Yep. The idea that people shouldn't have sex before marriage comes from a lot of different places. And I think mm-hmm. I think it's often a religious uh, sentiment, or at least, yeah, it's grounded in that. Yeah. Historically speaking, yeah, yeah. And th- this article talked about how in India there was this like Gandhian post-colonial like shift towards celibacy in a response to the British colonial oversexualization of the quote-unquote native oh. and like the animalization of people who they were colonizing god this just sorry this just goes back to like the discussion from rocky and ronnie Mm -hmm. you know it's like you are coming into this country where there exists a people Mm -hmm. and then you are deciding that their quote-unquote otherness is sexual and you are looking at them as sexual beings and you're so upset by that that you are then imposing your own prudish nature yeah, on them prudery. and <laughs> your own, yeah your prudery on them when they weren't the problem you were the problem right. and it it's all it all goes back to yeah it's like men imposing that dominance over whoever they can right so yeah well and yeah you're absolutely right and i'm sure that the the idea that sex is between a a married man and a married woman was in the culture before the British arrived. Mm -hmm. But what this article was arguing is that that shift towards a much more extreme sexual repression Mm -hmm. came out of wanting to prove something against what the, the British were assuming and yeah. it's fascinating too how that repression can then lead to violence because there's this desire to control and maintain mm-hmm. and that's what then leads often to violence and in particular violence against women well cuz yeah it is so cyclical and it's really interesting to see greater systems like greater structures of how certain societies work of Mm -hmm. how certain countries work and that is then reflected in individual human relationships right yeah you know yeah that's actually a really good transition into what this article from (laughs) from reddy and lakim seti 
what their main argument was. And again, this is an an article where they're comparing the Me Too movement in India versus the Mm -hmm. U.S. And their main argument is that the, the, the movements, while similar and while both trying to address the issue of mm-hmm. sexual violence. Even though they're similar, the U.S. is having conversations about masculinities and femininities and questioning these social constructs. So exactly what mm-hmm. you just described with looking at how do these systems of power get put into place and then how does that then manifest itself in these individual relationships. Right. Whereas in India... The way that they're addressing this pervasive issue is through drafting protective legislation to attempt Mm. to ensure women's safety and prosecution of violence against women. Mm. And Mm -hmm. the article is not saying that one or the other approach is the right Right. approach. And in fact, what it is saying is that each of us needs to be considering more of what the other is bringing to the conversation. Yeah. But it's interesting that the approach that India is taking is reinforcing this traditional masculinity and femininity in that women mm. need to be protected. Right. And Which goes back to, to the, like the LGBTQ laws that mm-hmm. we talked about over the summer. Yeah. That it like a lot of those laws specifically protect quote unquote women. Right. Who are biologically women. Sorry if I. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. You you're absolutely there. right. I think it's always important for us to bring mm-hmm. make sure we're always bringing into the conversation the fact that there are people who don't belong to either of those right d- who don't who belong to either end of that protection yes who absolutely yeah. deserve protection but you know the, and there's this idea that like okay those men who commit violence and again i'm using these terms yes. in the sense that this is how it's kind of being conceptualized by you know the greater population there are those men mm-hmm. who are evil and who do bad things and then there are we men who protect women mm. and we you know we enforce the the legislation and we make sure that the women in our workplace are safe and and yeah. and while it's important to make sure that all of the people in your workplace are safe as as best right. as you can you know be the be mm-hmm. able to contribute to that safety There's also a lack of addressing the underlying reason that people are unsafe to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that's what is really fascinating. And that's why it's so interesting to see, like, the the idea of toxic masculinity and not thinking of masculinity as toxic because there's this reinforcement of, like, well, we must protect women, so we have to be strong, we have to be protective. And that so easily tips over to controlling yeah and again this like yeah. on an individual level and not on like a legislative level but right yeah. I, and i would argue that masculinity and femininity these terms become toxic whenever it becomes a matter of inequality yeah. and inequity yeah and in a world where women have to rely on men to protect them yeah I do believe we should be asking the question of, okay, well, how do we create a world where women can protect themselves? Right, yeah. Or don't need to protect, or people, yeah. (laughs) Right, or don't need to protect themselves. But, you know, let's start with that equality piece. Because by saying that women need men to protect them Mm -hmm. from men, that's not an answer. Right, (laughs) It's not a solution. Like, 
And it's also not a solution to say, okay, ladies, don't worry. We're going to train you all in self-defense so that you can fend off predators. Right. Let's just get get rid of the predators. Let's tackle those causes it's yeah yeah it's similar to the the gun guns in schools argument right in the let's just give everyone like guns. well it will be you'll be safe from people trying to kill you with a gun if you have a gun and it's like no what yeah and now it's like now guns. we just have more guns yeah the answer is not more guns the answer is not more toxic masculinity yeah. well we're really hitting a bunch of hot buttons yeah. <laughs> just left and right throwing them out there and this you know it makes the this binary system makes it so much harder Mm -hmm. for non-binary people trans people queer people to have their experiences or even simply their existence recognized Mm -hmm. it is really interesting because i hadn't really evaluated the u.s's approach before yeah people are having these conversations with their friends with their families and changing the way they're viewing things but then our legislation is like garbage literally we're getting rid of the things that protect women yeah exactly stripping protections for women um but i do think that we are still seeing a rise in recognizing like hey what is it to be a man what is it to be a woman what is it to be neither of those things or both of those things like the answer is not that straightforward and it's really fluid and more and more of us are accepting that but then it's very that's very cool and i could see how we have things to learn from india's like legislation approach and they have things to learn from our individual approach and we both have additional things to add in there um to make it a fully comprehensive like solution right but absolutely yeah Yeah. because certainly as we've talked about some of the legislation isn't necessarily like covering all of the things Good. That, it, that it should yeah. be or considering all of the things that it should be. Right. And I also want to point out too, like we, again, are two white ladies in America yep. talking about this. So there are certainly ins and outs and intricacies that we don't understand, but this is just what we can see from what is available to us to learn about. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I had like, I have so many other like <laughs> just little notes of things that I like wanted to mention, mm-hmm. but you know, and we'll get to them at another point in time for sure. Okay. Cause I know this is something we'll talk about in the future, but I, yeah. the, I guess I do want to end on kind of a positive note and just talk about, I want to talk about Femina India who we've, it's come up yeah. on, the, on the podcast before. I think <laughs> timely to doing this research, they recently did their, men we love series and i think it's cool how they are including people in this series for like myriad reasons like i mean we've got actors mm-hmm. tovi was on there dq was on there yeah. and Shahrukh was on there but they also had the the scientist who led the mission to the south pole of the moon like he was mm. on there Mm-hmm. They had a a non-binary uh, like makeup artist was on there. Awesome. You know, they have athletes on there and entrepreneurs and content creators and I just think it's cool that I like everything that I have seen them do yeah. <laughs> and I like the way yeah. that they have this broad definition of masculinity and yeah. that even people who you might point to and say it doesn't seem like they should fit into that definition they're allowing Mm -hmm. them to fit into that definition because those people see themselves in a way where they could 
slot into that yeah. definition. Yeah. Well, I love that. And it also makes me think of how Femina India is so into sexual positivity mm-hmm. as well. And you cannot talk about toxic masculinity without talking about sexuality. Right. Like, they're so intertwined yeah. on like, okay, how much should you be having sex? When should you be having sex? Who should you be having sex with? Who should you not be having sex yep. with? Like, yeah. if you're promoting sexual positivity for all genders, all people, you are already helping to combat toxic masculinity. Right. By just having those conversations out in the open. Yeah. And just normalizing right the the different healthy ways that people can have sexual mm-hmm. relationships yeah i think it's also important to note that it's not really a conscious choice that i think certain men make yeah, you know absolutely they yeah. don't wake up and say i'm <laughs> i'm going to be this toxic man yeah it is a product of the structures we live in and the environment we live in and just like rocky <laughs> Right, right. And I do think, you know, you can sometimes make some choices. Yeah, absolutely. It's an everyone problem. It is. It is an everyone problem. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. all we can do is is listen and learn and also acknowledge that, like, there is nothing wrong with being a person who identifies in any way as anything being strong and wanting to yeah. protect the people they love. And there's also nothing wrong with anybody wanting to be protected. Right. And where it becomes problematic is when it verges into that control area. Yeah. Or when it's an expectation yes. based on gender identity. Right. Yeah. That because you are blank, you must blank. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for engaging in that conversation with me. Yeah. Again, I'm sure it's something that'll come that'll come up again. I have like three more very large bullet points that I'm just going to save for another okay. day. <laughs> I am I guess what? I'm sure we'll encounter toxic masculinity again. I sadly, yes, I I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, we're not again, it, it's very much like we're not hating men. Mm-mm. I love men. I mean, we talk about how much I love we love men, men too. all the time. We talk about how much we love <laughs> big buff strong men like come on (laughs) (laughs) i was actually thinking earlier today how much i just love men you know as long as they're not hurting anybody we like them (laughs) right i I, I, yeah i don't like violence (laughs) (laughs) that is something i do not like no great yeah do you have any bollywood news i don't i don't either and i think that's okay (laughs) great great pluggables Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Two White Girls Talk Bollywood. Mm-hmm. We love to hear from you, so feel free to leave a comment or send us a DM. Um, we really, really love interactions we with do. our fans and listeners. Yeah. Like, really do. You have no idea <laughs> how much it makes our day. So much joy. Um, also, please consider, if you don't already, subscribing to us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Mm-hmm. If you feel it in your heart, you can leave a rating or review. That is always wonderful. But if not, no biggie. We still appreciate you. Yeah. And thanks for listening. Yeah. And join us also on YouTube and Spotify where we keep our Bollywood bangers playlists. We put our favorite songs from our movies on those playlists. Not for Malong because there was just the one song. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it was fine. And it was fine, but uh, it doesn't deserve that that accolade. <laughs> no. But uh, you can find those linked in our episode descriptions as well as in our Instagram posts on Tuesdays. Yes. And now, yeah, we aren't actually watching a movie next week. We are not. We're uh, we're switching it up a little bit. Instead of watching a film, we will be doing a year in review episode. Yes, where we actually, yeah, talk about some of our favorite films from the past year, mm-hmm. favorite songs, things like that, and then some bloopers. Yeah, because who doesn't love? <laughs> bloopers we know we do i do really love bloopers. and so does um, farrakhan because <laughs> multiple she, of her movies yes. have blooper reels <laughs> exactly i oh god there's nothing that gives me more joy than bloopers <laughs> I, I mean that's probably a lie but, <laughs> but it's up there it's up there on the list <laughs> yeah yeah so um you know be warned it's not a movie it's just us yeah <laughs> Hopefully you don't hate us. <laughs> Hopefully you like us enough if that you, that's tolerable. If you've been listening to our podcast and you don't like us, but you just like hearing someone talk about movies, then you maybe want to skip this one and that's okay. Maybe, yeah. So that'll be out next week. And yeah, and then we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming for the first Tuesday in January. Yeah, gosh. It's wild that we've been doing this for a full year. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Me too. It's (laughs) great. I wouldn't change it for the world. So Anyway. Yeah, you can hear how much we appreciate you next week, but also we really appreciate all of you who are listening. We do. We're just having a blast as two white girls yeah. <laughs> who love Bollywood and decided decided to record ourselves talking about right. it. And here's to another year. It's gonna yeah. be gonna be a good one. Absolutely. Cheers to that. So uh, until next week, remember, Bollywood does not need us. Nope. <laughs> but we need Bollywood. <laughs>